Welcome to our podcast. It's called For the Love of the Game, and it's presented by Horsebills.com. I'm Bob Ike, joined by my business partner, as always, Mark Dosh. And Mark, season two, episode two, and I think everybody's going to love this story with Bing Bush from Abandanza Racing. What an emotional story. Uh, the ups and downs, dealing with some personal tragedy in his life, and, and just being around the horses and the love of the game has brought his spirit and his joy back. And it's a really incredible story. Yeah, the story definitely epitomizes the concept of for the love of the game, um, not only for him, but for other people in his life and, and, and his friends and partners. And when you hang around with Bing, you, you always get that great um, vibe from him. Uh, he's, a, he's, an, he's, he's got an electric personality. And I think that comes through in our interview with him. And we're really thankful for him um, sharing his emotions with us today and uh, over the past couple of years, giving us the opportunity at horsebills.com to take over the bookkeeping for his syndicate. And there are you know, 20 to 50 partners at times on a lot of different horses. Um, they helped us learn about what we needed to build on our site to help help our software accommodate other syndicates in a similar situation. And it's been uh, rewarding for us to be able to uh, work for him and his clients and, and become friends with him in the, in the process. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. In the five years we've been doing this, uh, not only have we been able to grow our client base, but our friendships within the game have grown as well. And the opportunities that we've had to meet some of our clients and really get to know them. And Bing uh, is certainly, like you said, an electric personality. You're never going to leave him uh, feeling worse than than when you ran into him. That's for sure. Uh, a very positive, uplifting guy. So we hope you enjoy uh, the interview coming up with Bing Bush, and then Mark and I'll be back for the close of the show. It's for the love of the game, episode two here, season two with Bing Bush. Welcome back to the For Love of the Game podcast brought to you by Horsebills.com. I'm Mark Dosh, joined as always by my co-host and business partner, Bob Ike. Today, we are blessed to have joining us a man who has made Horses and horse racing, a big part of his life. His most recent venture over the past few years has been starting the very successful syndicate, Abandanza Racing. Bing Bush, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, hello, hello. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Excellent. So uh, the, the title of the podcast is For the Love, For Love of the Game. So we definitely want to go back to trace your roots um, in, in horses and horse racing and talk about the joy the game brings to you. And then obviously all your success in the game with with the, with the horses that you've owned and uh, the opportunity that you've given us at Horse Bills to be able to handle all the bookkeeping for the syndicate. So let's start back with uh, I know you grew up in Kentucky. Um, you, you were on a farm at a young age, breaking horses and galloping horses. How did, how did that all start and whose farm was that when you were, uh, when you were back in Kentucky in your early days? Sure. Well, you know, I was just a kid, like a lot of kids who just happened to love horses. Some people love cars and some people like motorcycles or things. I just loved horses. And, uh, our family ended up buying a little farm. It was uh, just a little five acre place. Um, but luckily for me, it was right next to the horse park. And so, uh, you know, we had some land that I could ride on that I didn't have to mow or anything like that. And um, so our whole family had horses and they were starting off as sort of pleasure horses, but it kind of grew on to be uh, the hunters and jumpers. And I was involved in, in Lexington. They have a, a 4-H program and they had a thing called Pony Club, uh, the Keeneland Pony Club. And so I was involved with that. 
and uh, did a lot of showing all the weekends and eventing and things of that sort. So uh, growing up, it was all about just going to school and, and, and riding horses afterwards. And uh, so that's how it kind of got started. And then I ended up getting a job uh, breaking yearlings um, at John Abel Farm. I take that back. You know what? I'm sorry. I, I, I galloped horses for John Ward. Yeah. First, that's right. And then uh, so I galloped at Keeneland for John Ward. And then I got hired. Uh, I started breaking yearlings at John Abel in high school. And uh, pretty much galloped and broke yearlings through high school, college, and law school. So you went uh, you went to law school at the University University of Kentucky in Lexington, and then you did uh, also some some education at Cambridge um, in England. How did your progression into the racing world grow from there? As far as getting into horse ownership, or were there steps before that? Wow. I would say there was definitely some steps before that. I, I mean, you know, I had a little piece of horses once in a while in college. We'd have little things going on. But uh, pretty much after college, uh, I moved out here to California. Or after law school, I moved out here to California. Um, well, to backtrack just a little bit, I actually moved out here after my first year of law school. Uh, I really didn't know if I wanted to finish law school. And I came out to California, um, fell in love with it, and decided to move here. And so for about a year, I galloped to horses at San Luis Rey Downs and gave some riding lessons uh, here in Southern California in Rancho Santa Fe. And after about a year, getting on about 22 horses a day, I thought, man, I got to get back into law school. <laughs> so I went back to UK and finished up law school and did summer sessions at Cambridge in England and uh, then got out of law school and moved back to California pretty much immediately right after law school. In fact, on graduation day, I headed back out here to... Uh, to San Diego, um, and yeah, hello. You know, it was all about law for a long time. You know, uh, it was nothing about really ownership of horse racing, uh, racing horses. I, I really didn't have the means for that at the time. Um, so I was uh, basically a law clerk, and then got through the California bar, and then was an associate with a law firm for a while, and um, then uh, made partner with that firm, and then. Um, and then started my own practice actually after a few years. And um, and it was until I started my own practice that I really kind of started uh, putting together partnerships and syndications and things for people getting into the horse business. Uh, I started representing most of the, a lot of the jockeys on the Southern California racing circuit. I started uh, doing some presentations about uh, various forms of horse ownership for the thoroughbred owners of California, for TOBA, uh, Thoroughbred Owners Breeders Association, or the California, I don't know, thoroughbred, various organizations, you know, they'd ask me to give little presentations about different forms of horse ownership. So I started doing that really more for other people, uh, basically giving some business structures uh, to people who were just getting into the horse business. And then that kind of evolved for, uh, to uh, just, you know, there are other types of um, agreements and things that, that needed to be forged and I would try and encourage people to get things in writing of course in our business everybody does everything on a handshake right uh, you know so I you know one of the guys I was trying to encourage people to get things in writing. you know I did a lot of contracts on different types of things and um, finally it evolved to where I was able to have my own horses and we started having Donza Racing so would you say your landing and and setting up roots in Del Mar was just a coincidence that it's where the racetrack is or was it kind of uh, planned out to a certain degree or that's kind of the area that you wanted to be in? 
Right. Well, I, I, I really love the Del Mar area. And, uh, and I actually, I moved from San Diego early on to Solana Beach, uh, just directly across the street from the Del Mar racetrack. At right. This place, Saratoga West. And you could see the racetrack and everything like that. And so I lived there, but I was working in downtown San Diego. So I was commuting back and forth, which, you know, earlier on really wasn't much of a problem. But as uh, I guess as the town grew, uh, the traffic got a little bit worse. And um, when I started my own practice, I was actually downtown. But then I thought, man, maybe I'll just move my office here to Del Mar because I was living here. Um, Solana Beach is right next to Del Mar. It's just the other side of the street there. And so um, I decided to open up an office here in Del Mar, and it just has worked out really well. You know, really love living sorry. close to the track, and then working downtown. And then I'd move my office to where, to where closer to where I live. You've got that great little office there, being right in the uh, in the heart of, of Del Mar, there uh, next to what used to be uh, Bullies and all that stuff. So certainly a, a great location for you. You started Avondanza in 2012, yes. and the first horse you had was Change the Channel, broke, her, uh, broke Maiden at Del Mar. Give us a little bit of the backstory. I know uh, you had clients involved who uh, had some tragedy in their life, and, and you got them into the horse game, and just talk about how that helped them. Sure. You know, uh, that, that was really something. That was uh, the first time I really started my own our, our own little venture, and um it was with some clients that were just some very, very, very beautiful people. Eddie and Lisa Villapondo and their daughter Erica uh, had lost, uh, well, Eddie and Lisa had lost their son, Ryan Villapondo, and their daughter-in-law, their two grandchildren, in a terrible accident. And I was representing the Villapondos, uh, the parents, in a, in a wrongful death action. And, of course, it was pretty hotly contested, but uh, at the end of the day, we ended up with a really extraordinary result. Uh, it was it was the best result of its type in a, in a wrongful death case of its type, even still in 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 America. But uh, these folks were just wonderful people, and they were so close uh, to, to their son, and they were very very entrenched in uh, high school and college football, and that was their kind of and even professional football, and they, and they just loved that with a passion. But it was really hard for them, so. At the end of this case, you know, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to do what I've always wanted to do. I'm going to start getting some race horses and pull some friends in. So I asked Eddie and Lisa if they wanted to get involved, and they just said, well, sure, I guess we will. And so they got involved with me, and I pulled in a couple other friends, and we ended up with a uh, a three year old filly called Change the Channel that was trained by Sean McCarthy. And um, you know, I was trying to find something, and Sean thought this one might fit the bill. And sure enough, uh, she ran her first time out. She, she ran again, and then we came to Del Mar. And uh, my gosh, when she won that race, it was a game changer for everybody. Just for everybody. Eddie and Lisa were so, I mean, they were excited about her before. They liked her because we get to go to the barn and see her in the mornings and see her gallop. And so they, and they just liked the horses. It just gave them something fresh and something different to do. And uh, in, and when we actually won, I don't think anybody could believe it. We were we were, we were not exactly the favorite. We were on the outside. And she escaped to wire. She's an English Channel filly, and they just lit up. And it was like it, it just turned a page for them, and uh, turned a page for me, and turned a page for all of us. Like basically changed the channel, as her name was, and uh, and so that kind of you know got us all kind of some momentum, and uh, we got more friends growing from there. 
and uh, and then we had some other horses that had some success. And it's and Avondanza has grown as a result of it. Just it's been infectious, and uh, it's a really good energy group of friends and friends of friends who all kind of get together and go to the races. And we always have a good time there, win, lose, or draw. And if you know if we win, that's even icing on the cake. But it's it's been a great experience. Well, that it, kind of fits into what the Abendanza style, right? In Italian, Abendanza means abundance or wealth. And you're trying to bring that experience uh, to, to your partners and friends through horse racing. I think so, you know, or it could be an abundance of joy, you know. I mean, we really, um, and we have been very fortunate, that's for sure, you know. And um, But uh, it's, it's definitely a glass half full partnership, that's for dang sure. And uh, we have a really good time. And, um, you know, it's not always it's all, not always uh, things that meet our expectations. But, you know, it's just going to be, it's 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 grown to be a good, a good close knit group and good friends. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's a true I think it's a true testament to the sport and how, how great it is that it can it can bring people together and it can bring people joy and winning a race or just being involved. People don't really. Uh, know that experience until you're actually in it and uh, to hear you tell those stories is great uh, So over, over the next few years after you first had started Abendanza um, it, it, it probably wasn't an overnight success uh, but I think uh, when you the coming out party might have been in 2016 when you teamed up uh, with Nathan McCauley through a previous horse deal and you were able to win the Del Mar Derby with, with a horse by the name of Free Rose. What, what was that experience like winning one of the marquee races at Del Mar with your Abendanza group? That was absolutely surreal. <laughs> by then, uh, you know, we had a few guys in and uh, I met Nathan. Uh, he actually coincidentally bought Change the Channel uh, from me. Uh, he bought her as a broodmare and bred her to Declaration of War. And um, and we just really got along really well. And uh, so he was interested in racing a little bit in California. And so we teamed up on a on a little claiming horse. And then he had this horse called Free Rose. And amazing story about Free Rose. I mean, th this is a little Munnings colt and, uh, and, and hadn't done really well. And at one point, uh, Nathan was actually in Africa. He was... Uh, he was on a humanitarian mission. He's done a bunch of them there. And he gets a phone call from Sophie Doyle, the uh, jockey's agent, and says, we're going to put uh, – your, your brother, the trainer, is going to put Free Rose in a $5,000 claiming race at Mountaineer Park. And so here he is in Africa in the middle of the night. He says, heck no. I want that horse to run on the grass at Keeneland in some, like, a, a allowance race. And uh, just because he wanted to see him run on the grass. And so – as it turned out, I think the horse was already entered in Mountaineer, but uh, it was an extra, so the horse didn't get in there, thank God. So they go to Keeneland, and this horse... He, 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 was, he, he was 80 to 1 that day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, basically breaks a track record uh, at Keeneland uh, on the grass, and, uh, you know, just, you know, it was a big game changer. So Nathan really thought it'd be pretty fun to... Uh, maybe come out here. Actually, he ran that after that uh, at Churchill Downs and ran a third at Churchill Downs to a horse called Monster B, uh, who was a pretty nice horse. Well, sure enough, uh, we came. He decided that we, I don't know, we, we ended up making a deal where I bought on, you know, I bought Free Rose um, or a good, actually, a good portion of it, and Nathan stayed in. And so we came to Del Mar, and the plan was to put her in, uh, put him in the Oceanside Stakes, I think it was. And we couldn't get in, and it was very disappointing. 
but um, Monster B won the Oceanside uh, fairly impressively. And that's the horse that won at Churchill Downs. And we ran third to that horse and had kind of a, a little bit of a, not the world's greatest trip. And so I thought, man, this horse is really good because I think he's better than Monster B. So we came into the La Jolla handicap uh, with that. And sure enough, I, you know, we were kind of log odds, but I really felt like we were alive. And um, it was one of those few times when I was actually right. You know, it's a very humble <laughs> It's a very humble thing. A lot of times you're wrong, but man, when you're right, it is the most exhilarating thing in the world. And my gosh, it, it just it was amazing. My dad was in, uh, in, in town from Kentucky and my sister and they had not even come to Del Mar. Uh, we hadn't all been to the races before and we were all getting, you know, we were all up in the uh, director's room at Del Mar and, um, just, you know, a special group of friends. And, uh, I mean, we were, I remember going down the elevator from the turf club down to the, down to the, uh, the paddock. Now, Nathan was at Saratoga, and so we made a little video for Nathan, like, hey, brother Nate, you know, and we were just carrying on the elevator. You would have thought that we were the favorites going down to the paddock that day, but we were huh. 27 to 1. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, went down, and then sure enough, he won the on La Jolla, and I mean, it was, it was just, uh, it was bedlam from there. It was completely crazy. It was so much fun. And then, he, and then he came back a few weeks later, and I think he was 11 to 1 when he won the Del Mar Derby. Yeah, I didn't get a lot of respect for the Del Mar Derby. Uh, they had, uh, you know, Monster V back in and a couple other nice horses. But uh, he basically sat, ran the same race again. He just went out there and ran their socks off, you know, and Alberto Arroyo gave him a wonderful ride. And uh, by then, by then, you know, our little crowd had gotten to be a really, really, really big crowd because uh, everybody kind of thought that, you know, well, I guess they were friends and, Thought he had a shot, and sure enough, he won. And uh, golly, Nathan was out there for that. It was just uh, one of the most memorable times of my life. It was just amazing. Bing, it's always uh, easy to spot you after a win because uh, you're you're the guy that's ready to break your trainer's hand, Richie Baltus, with either a high five or a handshake. I think Richie kind of shies away from you afterwards. But how did you land on Baltus as your trainer, and, and what has he meant to your success? Oh, boy. So uh, when we had changed the channel, there, uh, change the channel liked to kind of run on the front end. And uh, she always run pretty well, unless there was this other filly, who's a really nice filly called Melanistic, that Richie Baltus trained. And if Melanistic was in the change the channel, I was always just chagrined because it dag on it because she was pretty quick. And maybe even a little quicker than change the channel. And so change the channel definitely was not going to get an easy lead when Melanistic was in. And uh, so what happened was uh, we were coming up to a race in Del Mar. I want to say it might have been the Yellow Ribbon. And we were training really well. And I heard Melanistic was not going to be in the race. And I was so excited because we were training pretty well coming into that race and thought we had a shot. And uh, sure enough, as luck would have it, tag on it, uh, change the channel ended up with an injury. And then uh, I was having a little cookout at my place, and David Mia told me that Melanistic might be for sale. And uh, so I went and looked at her, and she's just a really neat mare. Fell in love with her, and uh, ended up buying her. And went and, and and Richie continued to train her. And uh, this gal, I'll tell you, I mean, she raced. I want to say. And I had this wrong, but it was like 61 times and she won like over $200,000 and she did it the hard way. You know, she'd race in these consistently, and she's a cowbred, and she'd run in these allowance races and just, she just consistently hit the board, you know, all the time. 
and um, you know she's stakes place and just a really good solid mare. Never had any problems. Loved what she did every morning. She's like looking out the stall door every morning, waiting to go out and gallop. Just a very uh, just a professional on the racetrack. Just loved what she did every day, you know. And she we we, we raced her till she was seven years old, and uh, and then we bred her. And uh, but in any event, that was the start of Richie Baltus. You know, he did such a great job with her. And then we started claiming a couple of other horses, and then uh, he got free rows, and then things really launched. As you, you know, uh, after that, we started buying a bunch of horses. Well, we had more friends who wanted to get involved with us, and we made a, lot, a bit of money the next year. We were lucky enough to get a filly called Goodyear for Roses, uh, and then we bought a couple other fillies that uh, you know at the same time at the November sales uh, that year after. Uh, after the free rose year and things just kind of took off from there and so Richie has trained a lot of those uh, we kind of designed at that time to have turf fillies uh, we wanted fairly well-bred fillies and mares that could run on the grass because we kind of felt like it was an opportunity here in California at that time it's gotten a lot tougher since it's been tougher to find them it's been tougher to win but um, but at the time you know that, that was kind of the model that we had and Richie did a, a wonderful job with us and he continues to do a great job with us even today you mentioned some. You mentioned Goodyear for Roses, and uh, she was a Grade Two winner. Midnight Crossing, Queen Blossom were Grade Three winners. Uh, the Midnight Crossing sold for five hundred thousand at Tattersall. Yeah, another filly by the name of Kathy Song that sold for six hundred twenty-five thousand. So yeah. definitely playing playing the game at the higher levels and having success with fillies. Um, back to Goodyear for Roses. We, you know, obviously we've been talking about your love for Delmar and the, and the experiences there. Uh, you were you were blessed to be able to run her in the Breeders' Cup at Delmar. What, what did that mean for your group to be able to take part in that uh, inaugural Breeders' Cup that took place in your backyard at Del Mar? Uh, that was so special. You know, a lot of us live in this immediate area around Del Mar. And, uh, you know, and it was that, that Breeders' Cup was so special to have here at Del Mar. It was such a great venue. And to be a part of that just itself was very special, you know. And we really felt like we had a shot, you know, in that race. And, uh, I mean, she'd run a very close second to Lady Eli, who was the big favorite. Uh, back in the gamely stakes and uh and goodyear roses was a filly who liked a little bit of a longer distance which she would have you know she when she got at del mar and uh as it turned out she didn't run as well as we thought she would but my gosh the whole breeders cup experience for abandonza was so special they had a, a there's i'm on a board uh, in fact nathan mccauley's the vice president of, uh, of this uh, organization and i'm on their board as well called thoroughbred charities of america and uh, so the TOC had had a, an event on the Friday night uh, during that Breeders' Cup week. And Abendanza, our, our group, because we had a horse racing the next day, we just bought a bunch of the tickets for that thing. And it was just kind of our venue. And uh, it was just part of a whole week of, you know, really wonderful and magical events for, for the Breeders' Cup. And it was just special to be able to have a horse in there at the same time. Yeah, having been there, it, it was it was definitely uh, a great event, as a Breeders' Cup almost always is, and we're, we're getting to be that time of the year, so it's definitely going to be something that we look forward to over the next few weeks. Uh, so, so Ivan Danza has been focused mainly on, on fillies um, on the turf, like you mentioned. You've also tried to maybe expand a little bit. You tried Abin Danza Stallions with, with a horse by the name of Morse Code. You have a group of yearlings um, that you purchased that are by Munnings that uh, one of them has made their debut. So um, there are some um, different things going on. You also, uh, last year, 
I'm inspired by your late wife, uh, Jules, started a syndicate called Abendanza Femme. Um, okay. Talk a little bit about what, uh, what that meant to you to, to have that syndicate and then um, the di difficulties over the past year of dealing with her passing. And then another story that you told me recently um, over the past week or so of how, again, being at the races, being with your group of Abendanza friends, watching Excellent Sunset Run, how that's how that how that's helped you um, to be able to find joy again and, and move forward. Wow, well, there's a lot right there. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, Abendanza fam was 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 uh, I, I was married to to Jules, and she's an amazing woman, and uh, and she was half Italian, which is basically how we ended up with the name Abendanza. It was an Italian word meaning abundance, and she loved it. And it's always important to have your wife's buy-in on these things. Sure. Get, um, so, you know, we had a lot of friends that wanted to get involved in horse racing, uh, a lot of female friends. And, and so what we did is we created a, a, an opportunity for everybody to get involved with a $5,000 buy-in. And uh, so it was one night, and Jules, you know, and I was thinking about doing this, and Jules started, like, she wakes up in the middle of the night, and she says, well, I'll bet, you know, Marianne would want to get in, or I'll bet, you know, Jill would want to get in, or I'll bet, you know, and she just started naming all her friends that would want to get in. And I'm like half asleep, but then she starts naming more friends. So I wake up in the middle of the night, and next thing you know, I'm right now, I got like a list of 75, you know, females that we think might want to get in Abaddon's a film. So we get on the phone and start calling. We ended up with 25 gals that got in. We raised a little bit of money. We bought a uh, filly at the Keenan sale that, that uh, ended up not working out real well, but we claimed a filly called Mischievous Lass. So here we are, we're at Del Mar, and it's Mischievous Lass, and I've got 25 gals here. And, uh, and the idea with Femme, it was all female ownership, because we really wanted to basically empower women in horse racing. And, um, and uh, I set them all up in the turf club. I got tables up in the turf club, and I got bottles of champagne, and I had these little signs like, Go Femme, Go Mischievous Lass. I don't know if Richie ever knew how much pressure was on him. But I knew how much pressure was on him. <laughs> you know, when I walked into the track that day and getting ready to set things up, I thought this was either a really good idea, but this could be a really, really, really bad idea. We're going to have 25 women all mad at me all at the same time. And, you know, I was, I was really concerned about that. But as it turned out, everybody came up. We all had a wonderful time. The race went off at about, you know, race number six. And by then, you know, everybody was in a good mood. We all, you know, all the gals went down to the paddock and everything. We saw the horse. And she goes out and sure enough, goes out and uh, the race goes off. And I thought, wow, well, it was good, you know, up to now. And son of a gun, if she just didn't come and win the race. Best moment of my life right there, you know. They all just loved it, had a great time. Uh, we ended up taking her back to Kentucky, and she ran at Keeneland and did pretty well. And then uh, she ended up getting claimed away from us. Uh, the partnership itself uh, didn't really make money, but everybody had a wonderful time. And we're going to redo it again, actually. Uh, that was that was uh, last year in 2018. We we're going to do it in 2019. Um, and uh, we decided not to do it this year. Uh, my wife, Jules, uh, who I've been with for long time well for over 11 years and just the most amazing woman that i could ever imagine uh and we were blessed you know i was really blessed by that relationship it was just a wonderful 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 just loving um just wonderful relationship and jules loved the horses as well but uh, jules was diagnosed with cancer in february and she uh and it, it just kind of took her over, and um, 
by May, she passed on to the other side, and I was beyond destroyed. I mean, just beyond, beyond destroyed. I couldn't even look at friends. It was hard. For, I couldn't go to the racetrack during that time. Evan Donza was pretty much carried on by my friend Paul Galley, um, you know, for several months. And it was just really, really, really tough. Um, but, you know, ultimately, you know, I had a lot of love and a lot of support uh, from a lot of friends here in this beautiful horse industry and uh, friends here in the community, um, you know, who really just, you know, just gave a lot of support for me. And, um, you know, and, and I had 11 years of incredibly wonderful memories to bank on, you know, and just to be very, very grateful for. And I, I really cherish the friends that I have here at the racetrack and in the community and, you know, just in the horse industry itself. It, it's a it's a real family, you know. But uh, it, it's, you know, and you can't go backwards, right? I mean, I'd give anything if I could go backwards, but I can't, you know. So I figure, you know, we got to go forward. And uh, so a couple of, oh, no, I guess it might have been about three weeks ago, we were at Del Mar, you know, and I've gradually been getting better and better just, you know, through the grief of all this. And we've had some horses racing. And for me, going to the backside in the mornings, I was there every single morning, you know, watching the horses gallop. And that was just therapy for me because I just love the animal first and foremost and being able to be back there and, you know, just all the grooms and exercise riders and trainers and veterinarians and farriers and, and jockeys and jockeys agents. And the whole world back there is just a world that I just love and thrive on. And so that's been real kind of therapy for me, almost like uplifting, you know. Well, so sure enough, about three weeks ago, I decided to invite some friends who had never been to the horse races before to Del Mar. And uh, I thought, well, maybe they'd enjoy it. Maybe they'll want to get involved with Abandanza. And we had a filly called Excellent Sunset, who's just really a superstar. Uh, she actually won the Catherine Cosby last year at Del Mar, but then she was DQ'd to second. <laughs> a bad luck. <clears throat> but, um, you know, we knew she was coming on a good race. Anna Mio was training her, uh, is training her still, of course, but uh, she just done a wonderful job with her. She was working lights out. And even though it was going to be her first race back since January, she was just tearing up the track and just looked like a filly who was really ready to run a big race. So I invited our friends who'd never been to the races before. We have our Abadanja group. I'm over at the racetrack where I've always just felt a lot of love. And I was excited about this race. And that feeling of excitement I had not felt in a long, long time since before, my, before, before Jules was diagnosed. And, and, and it was this joy and there's this like this fun factor. And I thought, wow, I remember that. I mean, that, that was, that's Bing, you know, like that's, that's the Bing that I remember, you know, and it, I didn't even know I could feel like that again, but that moment, it kind of sparked something and, and it really, you know, it just, it, it kind of brought me back. I, I, I felt for the first time in a way that I honestly didn't think that I could ever get to feel again in my life. And I did. And now, you know, as I sit here, even, I, you know, I feel like I've got that joy back. I've got, you know, I'm, being, I'm engaged back in Abendanza. Uh, you know, my dear friend, Paul Galley, who is helping me out, uh, you know, has another venture that he's working with now. Uh, you know, I'm back engaged with uh, my law practice and the work. And feeling this kind of joie de vivre again and, uh, and really moving forward in a very positive direction. And I think that really just the, the you know, the sport, uh, the, the friends, you know, the, the experiences that we've gotten to have and, and just, you know, I've been blessed by a lifetime of it. It's just really, it's meant everything. It's just meant everything. 
Well, we really appreciate you sharing that uh, insight and those heartfelt stories with us. I feel blessed to have been able to attend the celebration of life for Jules and get to learn more about you and her and, and your relationship. So I'm happy to hear that uh, that you're back on the upswing and uh, you're back engaged in Abendanza. Uh, you're, you're gearing up now for Abendanza F&M 2020. Uh, you, you, you made the first purchase for that group with a horse by the name of Motion Emotion, who ran in last year's Kentucky Oaks. Uh, she did, she uh, started for the first time for your group at Los Al uh, last week, and uh, a prep race, I would say. So hopefully, better things uh, coming in the, in the future. Uh, what's the plan for uh, this group of F and M 2020 moving forward? And you, you said that Abendanza Fem is coming back. What else is on the horizon for Abendanza? Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm very excited about uh, Avendanza 2020. Typically, we start that in, you know, maybe in October or so, because we try and buy fillies and mares in November, you know, and going forward to race in the year 2020. Uh, but Motion Emotion was really a special mare, and I learned about it through uh, Nathan McCauley called me up and said that she uh, he'd heard from Leslie Campion, uh, Champion that she might be available. And uh, so I was put in touch with Mark Pewich, and I met with Mark and Jason Orman down there, and I saw her, and she's just has a real presence about her. And she did. She ran in this last Kentucky Oaks and, uh, you know, seemed nicely bred, um, you know, uh, by Take Charge Andy out of a smart strike mirror. And so we really – I've had very high hopes for her. We, uh, and she's unlike our other filly. She's not a grass filly. She's a dirt filly. And uh, so I'm really happy that we have a dirt filly, actually. I'm, you know, happy to have that. Um, and she is going to be uh, an important part, I think, of Avondanza 2020 going forward. We did give her a race going six furlongs at Los Alamitas, and she went out in 2185 and went three wide and went around and got a little tired down that stretch, understandably. Um, the race didn't go exactly the way we thought it would, but uh, she came out of the race really well. And, um, and I think we have some really high hopes for her going forward as she, uh, she got a lot out of that race. And I think going longer is going to help her. Uh, she won at a mile in the 16th. She won a, a allowance race. She stakes place twice and, you know, at a mile in the 16th. And so I think a longer distance is going to help her. We're thinking about actually going to uh, my hometown of Lexington, Kentucky and going to Keeneland with her uh, for the Lexus Raven run stakes. It's a seven furlong race at Keeneland on October the 19th. And that would be a really beautiful, fun trip for our Abendanza crew. We've been there before and, you know, got to see all the horse farms in Lexington. And just it was a special trip there, um, you know, just getting to go around and see that. And uh, we have a dear friend, Kenny McPeak, has Magdalena Farm. We had a really nice, really fun cookout over his place. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we do some of the same thing coming up here in October. And October is a very beautiful time in Lexington, you know, and it's a special experience for our group. So that, that's something to look forward to. In addition to that, I am hopeful that we'll, you know, find a couple other fillies and mares here in the next couple of months to complement um, motion emotion as we go forward there. So we'll see. You know, the opportunities are still open for folks that wanted to get involved. You know, uh, I'm still taking, you know, folks who who, who might want to get involved with Avondanza for the next year. And uh, so that's one that's one thing that's going forward. In addition to that, you're right. I think next year we're going to have Avondanza Femme, and that's going to be uh, probably you know, starting up in the spring, uh, early spring, and our idea would be to basically uh, provide again an opportunity for, you know, ladies who want to get involved in the horse business to 
to get involved, you know, and it's an all female ownership group and they can bring their guys and all the guys can come to the tables and go to the paddock. But if we win, we're <laughs> females in the win picture. And uh, we have a great win picture at Del Mar, by the way. It was really a fun group, you know, of females. And uh, so that'll definitely be going on next year that we're looking forward to that. Um, I, I'm not anticipating doing the, the yearlings this year. However, next spring, we might also be looking at some two-year-olds. Um, you know, to fill in uh, with Abandonza next year. So uh, that, that's another aspect of it. And there's a possibility that uh, that in the spring we might have a claiming venture that's going to be focused on the Del Mar meet, um, you know, for the spring and fall meets of Del Mar, uh, like a little venture along those lines. And so those are some exciting things that I'm looking forward to kind of launching for Abandonza coming forward or going forward. Cool. Yeah, Bob and I are headed back to Keeneland for opening weekend, um, the the first week of October. So we're definitely looking forward to the racing there uh, and uh, the Lexington lifestyle um, that's, that that surrounds Keeneland. Um, so our our paths crossed, obviously, with uh, you giving us the opportunity to handle the books for uh, Abandanza through through our company Horse Bills. Uh, it was the first. By the way, that's been a complete godsend. I mean, you guys have done an amazing job for us and our partners, and uh, I, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. This has been wonderful. Great. Well, I, I didn't even have to ask the question. You, you, you answered it for me. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, I just had to give you that because I mean, it, you know, I didn't know if you were going to ask a question or not, but it, it truly has been. It's made a, an incredible difference, uh, you know, for our group, and it's made my job an awful lot easier. And I think everybody appreciates it, you know, the way that you guys have broken everything down by the horse, by owner, uh, you know, at the end of the year, the way that we can present things to our CPA uh, makes perfect sense to them. I know our CPA is very grateful. <laughs> and, uh, so that, that's been a really great thing you guys are doing. And I, I can't uh, I, I can't thank you enough. And I wish you every success with that. Well, it's, it's really great to hear that. It's rewarding uh, for us having put you know the last five years of our life into this and to keep hearing positive feedback is great um you know you you guys were the first syndicate that we actually did the books for uh we had we had the syndicate functionality on the site but uh it was a great learning experience for us to be able to build functionality you know as we were doing the work for you to to understand what needs to be done um so it's it's been it's been uh it's been good for us as well and, and it's great to hear that it's been good for you Bob, you have anything else for Bing? No, Bing. I just really appreciate uh, you sharing uh, all, all the emotions uh, that you've gone through and, and what this game has meant to you. Uh, we're very, very happy and, and proud to have you as a friend and a client. And uh, we just wish many more years uh, of good success for both of us going forward. Well, thank you. Good luck to all of us. Thank you. All right, that was Bing Bush, uh, syndic Partnership Syndicate Manager for Abandanza Racing, joining us on the For Love of the Game podcast. Stay tuned for our close. Bob and I will be back with more as we lead up to the Breeders' Cup, and thanks for listening. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview. I know Mark and I certainly did, and, and getting to know Bing even better. Uh, what a great story, Mark. And uh, as we close out the show here, What's going on in racing uh, this week? Well, we've got Churchill Downs opening on Friday. Kentucky Downs just concluded. The Belmont Fall Meet starting in full swing. Los Alamitos. Uh, you and I are going to get to take a trip out to Keeneland, which we're really excited about. So business as usual, racing goes on. As one meet closes, the, the next one picks on up and keeps going. 
Yeah, definitely excited to get back to Keelan for some racing. We, we were back there a few years ago for the yearling sale, which is also going on right now. We have uh, book one just ended, and it's remarkable to me every year when you see the, the dollar uh, tags, the price tags that these horses are selling for that are yearlings that have never even not only not raced or not even trained or nothing, and, and they're bringing seven figures, over $4 million. Uh, the money's still flying around at the sales. You mentioned Kentucky Downs. The purse money there was unbelievable when you look at uh, not just the big stakes races with the five, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollar purses, but the maiden special weights running for one hundred thirty-five thousand. The starter allowance twenty-five thousand horses running for a hundred thousand. So there was a lot of good things going on in racing. Um, it, it's exciting to see. Hopefully, we can keep that up as we move forward. And, and we're getting into the championship time of the season with a Super Saturday coming up uh, at both Santa Anita and Belmont uh, in the next few weeks. Opening weekend at Keelan with some big races as we head to the Breeders' Cup. Well, that's about it for this episode. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with our next guest. And uh, keep keep listening because we're loving the game and, and so are all of our guests. And Mark, uh, good being with you again. And we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone.